Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, you know, it's a shame we don't really have a whole lot to talk about on this week's We Are podcast. Just nothing really happened this week, just kind of a of a slow week. So this will be a boring old podcast, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> obviously, that is not the case. Uh, Thursday was a gigantic day for Penn State football for the Big Ten, and we're going to break it down and discuss why the Big Ten's new scheduling format is actually pretty darn great for Penn State, why it happened that Penn State is unrivaled, will not have any protected rivalries uh, under the new Big Ten scheduling format. Really uh, just fascinating because there's so much excitement for the 2023 football season, obviously preseason top 10 team. There's they're going there's going to be great excitement for the 2024 season regardless because that'll be Drew Aller's second year and hey, maybe a legitimate chance to actually win a national championship uh, that season. Um but when we're when we're talking schedules and we're talking looking ahead and the way things are going to play out over a long period of time, what we learned Thursday if this is truly going to be kind of the final um, way that they do things, like unless the Big Ten comes back in a year or two and changes things again, like they did with the whole legends and leaders divisions, because they realized that was you know, that wasn't necessarily great. It's possible maybe they could change some of the scheduling formats down the road, but as it stands right now. This is really good for Penn State because I'm going to call it the path of least resistance. Now, it's not truly least resistance, but it's less resistance, no doubt about it. When you're in a division for a lot of years, the same division as Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan State, your chances of winning that division, extremely uh, small. Your chances of, of winning the Big Ten, getting to a playoff, small under those scenarios. And obviously, Penn State did not make a four-team playoff, um, even in 2016 when they beat Ohio State. But what we're going to see now going forward, starting in 2025, Penn State's not going to play Ohio State every year. Penn State's not going to play Michigan every year. So those are some of the things we're going to break down really in, in in great depth here on the podcast. I I wrote about this on Thursday. I don't like 
just me personally, that they won't be playing Ohio State every year. I thought that was a, a tremendous game. I'm stunned, by actually, I'm, I'm literally stunned. Before I get into why this is really good for Penn State, I'm stunned because I, I we've talked about this. We've read all these scenarios for the past year or so about how the Big Ten scheduling format may come out. And really, the, the general consensus was Big Ten was probably going to go to the 3-6 format. Three protected rivalries and then six rotating games. So we've all spent a lot of time discussing, debating what those three protected rivalries would be. I thought for sure for Penn State, it would be Ohio State and Michigan State. Ohio State, because that's uh, a, a, such a tremendous marquee national game, a top 10 TV rating game every year. Michigan State, because that's kind of a manufactured rivalry that the Big Ten has tried to give us for years and years now. I thought the third game would maybe be Rutgers, because that would give Rutgers a bone. But as it turns out, Penn State's got no protected rivalries. The Big Ten isn't interested in giving everybody a bone. That that what they did was, and, and this is when, you know, upon reflecting about all this over the past day or so, it does make a lot more sense. If you're going to try to squeeze a whole bunch of square pegs into round holes, you can end up creating more problems than you solve. My my thought. Again, I'm going to use Rutgers as the example here. I thought Penn State would play Ohio State and Michigan State every year, and I thought it would be Rutgers because you you want to try to give everybody in the league a marquee game that can help them, and certainly for Rutgers, Penn State would have been that game. But if you'd have gone throughout the entire Big Ten and trying to please Rutgers and trying to please Maryland and trying to please Indiana and trying to please Northwestern, it would have been like trying to fit a whole bunch of square pegs into a whole bunch of round holes. And instead of doing that, which again, the big tick might have created a whole lot more problems because it would have been very, very little flexibility or much less flexibility for the Big Ten. They just decided to say, uh-uh, we're only going to have these X so on a num- number of protected rivalries and and everybody else, we're just going to kind of leave up in the air. So that's where we got to Penn State. Now, it's very, very interesting. I've seen it reported that Penn State requested no protected rivalries. Well, why would that be? Well, duh, because Penn State had to know that if the Big Ten was going to give them any protected rivalry, it'd be Ohio State. Well, who the hell wants that? I mean, yeah, it's a great game. It's a great atmosphere. It's great for TV, but it's also a loss. Penn State's lost 10 of the last 11 games to Ohio State. So if you're Penn State, it makes perfect sense that you would request. Look, folks, we can get caught up into this whole arrogant, unrivaled thing. That's a bunch of bullcrap, okay? Ohio State is a great rival, a great rival that just happens to kick Penn State's butt every year. So what happens there? Well, you don't want any more part of that, right? You can call yourself unrivaled and you can brag about it. But in actuality, Penn State wants no part of Ohio State because Ohio State's better than them almost every year. And that's going to make the path to the playoff and a great season more difficult for Penn State. So, of course, the leadership at Penn State would say, "Uh uh-uh. We don't want any protected rivalries. We'll roll the dice, baby. 
Because rolling the dice puts you in a better situation if you don't have to play Ohio State every year. Even if you have to play Michigan every year, that's still not the same as playing Ohio State every year. Penn State's had more success against Michigan. And and everybody else, believe me, I'm going to get to USC, UCLA a little bit later on and their transition to the Big Ten. But you roll the dice and say, nah, we don't want any protected rivalries, okay? That's great for Penn State. That's the path of less resistance if you don't have to go up against the Buckeyes. So it's pretty shrewd, very smart for Penn State. And obviously, Ohio State was going to continue to play Michigan. That's the best rivalry in all of college football. But if you're Ohio State, you don't want Penn State every year as well. You don't want that. So if you're Ohio State, you can say, you can request, yeah, we'll take Michigan. We don't want any other protected rivalries. Well, again, no duh. That gives them the path of less resistance. I know, again, Ohio State's beaten Penn State 10 in the last 11 years, but Penn State competes with Ohio State about as well every year as anybody, even in a losing effort. So again, you take uh, a large view of this. Me personally, I like the Ohio State games. I've always enjoyed that rivalry. I've always enjoyed the atmosphere, the buildup. Uh, I've, I've said this many times Three of Penn State's best wins this century were 05, the Tom Bali strip sack game at Beaver Stadium, 08, uh, Mark Rubin strip sack uh, on or fump, forcing fumble on Terrell Pryor, and then 2016 with the kick six. All right, so that's three of Penn State's four or five best wins this century. And you always knew playing Ohio State, there was a chance for a tremendous victory, even though most games were going to be a loss. So this makes perfect sense from a Penn State and James Franklin perspective. I think I talked about this in the podcast last week or or recently, that if you're James Franklin, you want the path of least resistance to the college football playoff. And if that means you're not playing Ohio State every year, hey, that's great. That's great for you. I've talked for a long time now. Penn State could have lost to Ohio State every year and still made the playoff in a 12-team field. But if you take the Buckeyes out of the mix every year, and look, they're still going to play a good bit. I know. Maybe it'll be every other year. We'll see. Um, But if you take them out of the mix some years, well, that makes your path a hell of a lot easier. Again, something else I've always talked about, whenever I look at a year where Penn State may or may not contend for, you know, for a lot, for a Big Ten title or or certainly even more. The first thing I look at, where's the Ohio State game? If it's at Beaver Stadium, hey, you got to like Penn State's chances. If it's in Columbus, you got to figure, hey, they're probably going to lose that game. So now the very first thing we're going to look at on Penn State's schedule going forward, uh, if it's a year they're not playing Ohio State, pretty much going to have to love Penn State's chances to go 11-1, and at worst 10-2, and get into a playoff, maybe do some damage. So this worked out really well uh, for for Penn State. I don't like it personally because I like the Ohio State games. Many of you may have liked the Ohio State games. Nothing. There's no better atmosphere at Beaver Stadium than when Ohio State has been there for a wideout. And if you're Ohio State, again, you, are, do you want to go to a Penn State for a wideout every two, or, every two or four years? No. You, you're you're going to tell the conference, no, we don't want Penn State as a protected rivalry. And if you're Penn State, you're going to say, no, we don't want Ohio State as a protected rivalry. So all of that does make a lot of sense. I got some more thoughts on the scheduling here coming up in the second segment.
welcome back. So Penn State's going to host USC in 2024 at Beaver Stadium. That's going to be awesome. Just awesome. And then Penn State's going to go out to L.A. to play USC in 2025. And UCLA is going to come to Beaver Stadium in 2025. So, hey, there are intriguing elements about the schedule, uh, the new Big Ten scheduling format that are going to be really cool. Um, because, again, you, you take a look at that 2024 schedule at home. Ohio State's coming. Michigan State's coming. USC is coming. Holy cow, man. That's a fantastic home schedule in 2024. It's going to be challenging, no question. Certainly if you're playing Ohio State, but it's at home. You're going to be playing USC, but it's going to be after Caleb Williams because he's going to turn pro, you'd have to think, after this year. So what's USC going to do in its first year in the Big Ten? But that 2024 schedule for Penn State, if you're a a, a fan and you love going to Beaver Stadium, that home slate is going to be spectacular. And and we're going to see some years where maybe you have some flexibility and some different kinds of things or different levels of opponents may happen. Before I get to the bad news about that, I want to talk about USC and UCLA. The latter first. I do not believe UCLA is going to come into the Big Ten and be a major factor on a consistent basis. I just don't. I don't think UCLA has been a huge, major, consistent factor in the Pac-12 for a long, long time. They'll occasionally have a good year or two or stretch or whatever. But quite frankly, folks, as soft as the Pac-12 typically is, I'll stay up on Pac-12 games after dark. And, I mean, UCLA has always, to me, been very soft. Very soft. And you're going to come into the Big Ten to where, you know, sure, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, they're, they're going to smack you in the mouth. But everybody in the Big Ten is going to smack you in the mouth. Iowa's going to smack you in the mouth. Minnesota's going to smack you in the mouth. Illinois is going to smack you in the mouth. Even if they're not very good they're, under Brett Bielema, they're going to play a physical style of football. If you're UCLA, I, I, I just don't see UCLA coming in and really fitting in from a, a, a major competitive standpoint, at least right away for a, I don't know, three to five, seven year period. You know, we'll see. Maybe they figure things out quicker than that. Now, with USC, I think USC is going to get better players than UCLA. USC is more of an annual traditional power than UCLA, and, and USA will USC will have a better chance to contend uh, on a regular basis in the Big Ten. But I still think they're going to have issues as well. You know, you go back. I've had a lot of conversations with people that covered Penn State in the 80s. My my former colleague at the Altoona Mirror, Neil Riddell, you know, you think about what Penn State could do in the 80s. They had the independent schedule. They could load up before they played a huge, huge game. You could load up and get ready for that one or two huge games a year. It's tough to do that in the Big Ten. And when Penn State joined the Big Ten, and now you're going from week to week to week to week, and Michigan and Ohio State and a lot of these other tough teams, Penn State's had issues with Minnesota over the years. It's just a bigger challenge in a conference when you're facing uh, hard-nosed physical style of football teams most weeks. And that's a that's going to be an issue, I think, for USC as well. They may have more talent than a lot of these Big Ten teams, 
They may have elite national talent at a lot of positions and some high-octane offenses and everything, but are they going to be able to come in and have the kind of defenses? Again, I'm not even talking about on a year-to-year basis. I'm talking about on a week-to-week-to-week-to-week-to-week basis in the Big Ten. If you have to go from facing a Penn State to a Minnesota to an Iowa to a Michigan State, I mean, these are hard-nosed physical teams that a lot of these programs are are geared up they're going to run the ball on you no matter what are you do you have the kind of size and physical strength to 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 man up and stop them a- again on a week to week basis so uh USC I think is going to be in for some ups and downs they may have some great years they may have some lean years um but hey, USC coming to Beaver Stadium in 2024, that's going to be really cool. Penn State going out there in 2025, that's going to be really cool. Okay, so now the bad news. Here is Penn State's home schedule in 2025. I wrote about this, and the word I used was random Here's the home schedule in 2025. First of all, the the non-conference games that year are Nevada and Villanova. Wake me up if you care about those at all. Nevada and Villanova, okay? That's your home non-conference games. The home conference games are Illinois, Minnesota, Rutgers, UCLA. Let that sink in. UCLA is a pretty cool, sexy opponent. It'll be a big name. There'll be a lot of intrigue around that game. Other than that, the home schedule, Nevada, Villanova, Illinois, Minnesota, Rutgers. There's still one game left they'll have to schedule. I got to think it's going to have to be some level of a name program. I threw out earlier in the week on a a radio show, a Syracuse or Boston College or somebody. you got to bring somebody in. Folks, if you're a Penn State season ticket holder for a family of four or more, you're paying six, eight, ten grand for Nevada, Villanova, Illinois, Minnesota, Rutgers, UCLA. Is that worth six, eight, ten grand for that year? That's the issue of taking Ohio State off the schedule every year. Uh, we'll see how much they, how often they play Ohio State, but not even Michigan. No, so you don't even have Michigan or Ohio State coming in that year. Typically, we could count on either at least one of them or or, or one. I don't, I'm not sure if there have been, have been any years where they got both at home. Um, and again, UCLA. That'll be there'll be a lot of interest in, around that game. But goodness gracious. Are we? Could we possibly see more years like that? And if you're a Penn State fan, are you going to have to demand better games than that for your money? Somebody mentioned in the comments of the story. You know, are you going to price fans out as as we're going through the Beaver Stadium renovations and ticket prices may get more expensive? Are you going to? Is that going to be good enough? That kind of schedule now. Uh, somebody mentioned, what if they're doing the Beaver Stadium renovation in 2025? How many tickets can they can they sell? Are they okay with having a lesser home schedule that year? Well, I don't know. They better be because that schedule, again, Nevada, Villanova, Illinois, Minnesota, Rutgers, UCLA, that leaves quite a lot to be desired. And it gets me back to my word of random. Yes, it's good. If, if you don't have to contend with Ohio State and Michigan and Michigan State every year, 
yeah, your path to the playoff has gotten a hell of a lot easier. But as a fan, and, and look, ultimately, that's what that's what's going to matter. Ultimately, if Penn State makes the playoff, regardless of who they're playing, I did a podcast on this a few weeks ago. If if the non-con every year is Kent State, Buffalo, and I don't know what I say, Toledo or something, that or, or Delaware. Hey, as long as you're making the playoff, that's a good thing. But over time, it'll be interesting if you have a bad non-conference schedule, home schedule, and then if it's a random year where you've got the likes of Illinois, Minnesota, Rutgers, UCLA, uh, I I can see some fans getting disappointed and frustrated over that. Welcome back to the third and final segment of the We Are podcast. So if you notice this past week, we started the new Penn State feed at DK Pittsburgh Sports. Hopefully you're enjoying that. That is fantastic. And I I love it. I love what we're doing at the site with all of these team feeds. I think DK came upon something really great here. You've got all the ones for the pro teams. And we just added the colleges this week. I'm handling for now the Penn State, Duquesne, and Robert Morris feeds, which is right up my alley as as a college guy. Uh, kind of the way it's worked here for a long time. I write a lot of features and analysis on Penn State, but sometimes all the it, it, all the little elements and tidbits of breaking news that happen throughout the course of the day. I'm not writing a story on every single one of them. You know, some sites do, and if that's your cup of tea and you want to read 12 stories a day. Uh, you can find those places, but our, our Penn State feed allows for uh, two, three, four updates a day, depending on what's going on. We can keep you on top of everything. So please make sure to check that several times a day because um, that is that's a really great addition. And we'll start to get more news trickling out here June and July. Obviously, as we get closer to fall camp, there'll be a lot of football news. And our feed really gives you a, a really cool place to kind of stay on top of all that. It won't be a whole lot of in-depth stuff, if you've noticed and you've read the feed. It's usually just a few paragraphs and you know some links or whatever. But you look, not everybody's looking to read 25 inches on every single thing that happens. So it, the feed is a really cool place to stay on top of the bigger stuff and that that will uh that will continue again huge uh news week this past week james franklin and all the assistant coaches met with the media on thursday i'll have a bunch of stories coming up here over the next uh, few weeks or month or so on a lot of what those guys had to say just a lot of a lot of excitement right now um the word i've used for, for many months is momentum there's so much momentum in the Penn State program, uh, June, you get to hear from the from Franklin, the assistants, all the positive stories, uh, telling all kinds of great, uh, giving get great details about all these players. Drew Aller, the new receiver, Dante Cephas, the defense. James Frank, Franklin saying he likes the defensive line and how that could be a major difference maker this year. There are just so many positive things coming out right now, and hey, that's what you would expect when you've got a team that's ranked in the preseason top 10 and has tremendous, tremendous aspirations for a season. So we'll, we'll I'll have a whole lot of 
uh, features and analysis on, on what was said coming up here in the next few weeks. But one thing James Franklin did say, and I do like this, Drew Aller is going to be the quarterback. But he said, hey, they're not they're not naming a starting quarterback. Um, he wants competition every day for every position. And you know what? That's the way it should be in sports. Drew Aller is the quarterback. Drew Aller is going to be the guy that, if Penn State accomplishes the huge things on a national level over the next couple of years, it's going to be because of number 15, not because of Bo Prabula. I'm not diminishing Bo Prabula, but I don't think we're having these conversations about uh, contending for playoff berths or national championships because of Bo Prabula. But I do like James Franklin's approach. You, there's no reason to go out and name Drew Aller the starter right now. Even if Bo Prabula knows 99.9% sure that it is going to be Drew Aller, you show up, you bust your butt every day, you compete. And by doing that, it shows every other position, linebacker, wide receiver, safety, cornerback, uh, defensive tackle, edge, whatever. Whoever you are on the team, go out and compete. You can win a job on any given day. Or, or, or your performance on any given day can help you win a job over a period of time. So I, I, I'm not surprised by that at all. If you know James Franklin's MO, think about this. The guy that was hired at Penn State back in 2014 came in, dominate the state, invite me to any birthday party and I'll come. He didn't know truly what he was getting into, the size and scope of, of the Penn State job. He learned quickly. But, and, but James Franklin is a, a cool, calm, calculated guy. He doesn't say nutty things. He doesn't say things that rock the boat anymore. He really just kind of doesn't, you know, think about the elite. The elite comment came after the 2018 loss to Ohio State. Since then, has James Franklin really said anything? And I think he kind of learned his lesson. He's been he that's been held over his head every day since then. And I think James Franklin has learned his lesson about promising too much, uh, put, you know, shooting, you can shoot for the moon, but if you promise the moon, now things are going to be held against you. I, I give the guy a lot of credit. I follow a lot of college coaches. Some of them spout off and say a lot of things. Uh, Pitt's coach, Pat Narduzzi is one of them, obviously. Uh, some coaches, you know, keep things more close to the vest and don't really say much. But by and large, you're not going to get a whole lot from James Franklin anymore that's going to rock the boat one way or the other. And so in keeping with that MO, the fact that he's not naming a starting quarterback, Penn State no longer gives out a depth chart or anything like that. It is interesting to see how how James has changed over time and and what you see, very consistent very consistent guy. A lot of a lot of uh, coaches and figures in college athletics that are not overly consistent. What you see one year is kind of different from the next year. But uh, James has become a very very consistent figure and leader in the way he goes about his business at Penn State. Busy busy week, and uh, hopefully we'll have a lot of other busy weeks coming up here over the next month or so as we get uh, into the summer and fall camp gets closer and closer and closer. Hopefully you enjoy the new Penn State feed on the site to stay up to date on everything we got going on. And again, I'll have uh, features and analysis throughout the week as well. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll talk to you again next week. 